Whoa! Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> I crashed. Craig. I crashed on Tuesday and it f***ed me up. That bruise is insane. Are you okay? <laughs> I'm I, like, it actually, it looks worse than it is. <laughs> That's what they always say. <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely tender. It definitely hurts. I And I still have no idea. Like, I mean, I know how I did it, but it still was like, I don't know the exact way it happened. Like I someday, I, someday when we we're not on Twitter anymore and yeah. we start start doing video, um, people are gonna really regret that they weren't here for Greg to take his pants off. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have the option on to capture video on uh, this particular. Call, I have. So I think it's. I think it's completely possible. I do have beautiful <laughs> legs. I have been told that. <laughs> Lindsay has commented on my calf to ankle ratio. Welcome to Unsalvageable, a Utah jazz podcast with me, Sarah Todd, jazz beat reporter for the Deseret News, and as always, my co-host, Greg Foster. Greg, I picked the jazz to go 2-0, and instead they are now on a three-game losing streak. Yeah, same. Yeah. A little bit of a, a coming back to earth moment. Yeah, I think that... You know, in all the excitement of like the ten and three, ten and four start, uh, I did forget. Even though I was traveling as much as the Jazz, I did forget how brutal that was. Because Ooh, by the schedule. time, by the time that we got back for that Knicks game, like I can't imagine what they were feeling like, and I was so exhausted. Yeah, I was watching that. I was watching that Knicks game, which, for the record, I did pick them to lose yeah. because of just how brutal. Like that's that's a scheduled loss. You know, the Knicks are a they're not great, but they're a decent team. They you know they, they likely make the playoffs this year at least. But you got a back to back on the road. But you play three games in four nights and you have something like 3,500 miles of travel. Like, yeah, like it, I, I was watching the game with Lindsay and I just said, like, they all are looking like they're running through knee deep sand. Yeah. There was no continuity. There was no there was no chemistry. There was no energy. And like usually, you know, like you'll see the bench unit, you know, they're the number one bench unit in the NBA right now. And they're scoring a bunch of points and they usually can provide that punch when the, the starters are lacking. And it, we just never got it on no. Tuesday. Jericho Sims was. He's awesome. Them. Dude. He's Holy cool. cow. Yeah. He's, he's very gi- cool. He's gigantic. That dunk he had over Walker Kessler. Yeah. was. Love, love the kid, but that's a very much a welcome to the NBA moment. <laughs> Which, again, by the way, like Walker Kessler absolutely remains one of the best interviews in the yeah. NBA. He's so good because we talked. I'm sure to him, he had he had something to say about it. Well, we talked to him at practice on Wednesday, and it was like, all right, you know, you had a couple of like welcome to the NBA moments in the first couple of games of the year. Uh, what you know, 16 games now, like what have been the moments that you're kind of thinking about? And he's like, well, I don't know if you guys have been watching the games, but people have been trying to baptize me. <laughs> yeah, and- that is very much like he's he's, you know, in those 16 games, it seems like he's kind of cemented himself as a shot blocker. 
Yeah. Which rightfully shows. So, like, yeah. he's a very good rim protector. He blocks shots, you know, and he goes for it as well. Like, you'll see a lot of guys. You know, there was one in particular in that Washington Wizards game where uh, Laurie Markinen makes a cut. And instead of rotating over, Porzingis just goes under the basket and then just runs over to the other side of the court because he knew he was going to get baptized. And, you know, that's the type of play that I think someone like Kessler would actually try to go for regardless of the outcome. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that's kind of... That's the mark of someone who is good in that position. I think that's why Rudy Gobert... You know, acquitted yeah. him so well, so well, acquitted himself so well for so many years is that uh, he's not one of these players that's like I never want to be dunked on. He's like, no, I live down by the basket. It's going to happen. Yeah, like, absolutely. And like, and it's not going to make me feel bad about myself when it happens. But nine times out of ten, it won't happen. Right. Yeah. I and mean, it's so, just it's just what happens. Like, if you're going to be a rim protector, if you're going to play in the NBA at all, like you're going to get dunked on. It just yeah. it's it's part of the game, and like sometimes you're the one who's doing the dunking, and sometimes you get dunked on, and that's just how it is. Unless you're a coward. And to that point, like asking Walker about those moments, he was like, you know, people have been successful, and that's fine, and you know, I'm gonna get mine, they'll get theirs, and he's like, but all, honestly, the biggest welcome to the NBA moment has been the schedule. Yeah, it's like it's yep. they <laughs> like. Is there a team that's had a more brutal schedule than, schedule well, than, than there, the Utah Jazz right now? The Jazz have had like a heavy schedule. Um, there have been other teams that have had the that have played the same number of back to backs. Like the Jazz are not the only one that have played like four right. sets of back to backs. That's that's false. That people think that the Jazz are the only one that's doing that. Like the, I think that the the Nets just finished their fourth set of back to backs uh-huh. in the first sixteen games. Um, there's a bunch of other teams. I tweeted about it the other day, but the jazz have had an incredibly heavy road schedule along with that. Um, and that means they have a, I think after they come back from this trip that they're about to head out on, which is Portland and LA. Yeah. Um, they come back and they've got the Thanksgiving trip, which is uh, golden state and Phoenix. And then they are home for like two and a half weeks. Like straight. How are you feeling about that? Um, I mean, I'm feeling like it's going to be nice to sleep in my own bed and not have the sleep schedule of an insane person. And, yeah. you know, maybe be able to run an errand without thinking it's my last moment in town. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm feeling good about that. Uh, Lights at the end of the tunnel. You can see it. Yeah. Um. Also, I'm not going to the Golden State game uh, the day after really? Thanksgiving. So can't say that I blame you. Well, we've already, I mean, the Deseret News has got uh, someone out in California that's going to be covering college football. And so I think football, is that correct? That is a thing that is going on. Yes. <laughs> There's a college game out there. And so uh, Jay Drew's going to head up to San Francisco and cover that game. Um, what a sweetheart. What a sweetie. Yeah. It's, it's very nice of him. Uh, Thanks, he offered Jay. to do it. Thanks, Jay. We stand our king. Before we get into some of our topics today, um, Greg, do you want to talk to the people about some of the services that we can offer? Sure. Yeah. Uh, we've, we've made it known already, but it, it's worth reiterating that we are, in fact, on the hunt 
to partner with some local businesses, whether that's a sponsorship or advertising or whatever else that uh, you may want. And what we have here is full service. We've got two award-winning copywriters on staff here at Unsalvageable Network, Unsalvageable Incorporated, uh, that can and we will happily sit down with you, brainstorm what it is that you want out of this partnership. We can write your ads. We will absolutely read your ads and talk up your company and and let the people know what it is that you do and how well you do it. Um. For a very moderate price. So what we're saying is our DMs are open and we're happy to talk to whomever. Uh, We just need you guys to reach out first. And as soon as that happens, well, that's when the magic can happen as well. So our DMs are wide open at unsalvageables, at NBA Sarah, at dad sham dad, at swans of nevermind. (laughs) Nevermind. Don't. Don't contact Matt. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we we would we would love nothing more. So please give us a shout. Bing, bang, boom. So getting into some stuff today, obviously, we want to talk a little bit more about the losing streak. More importantly than the actual like games that they lost, because I don't think that any of the games were like really horrible, right? No, I don't think, and I don't think it was all that like super surprising. I think that, you know, the wizards are a pretty good team. You had Joel Embiid all of a sudden turn into Wilt Chamberlain. Right. One of the most incredible performances I've ever seen on a basketball court. It was you were there. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Yeah. I know David Locke was saying that it was literally the best performance he's ever seen live, which can't really right. argue with. He like, but like if you're a Sixers fan, that has to be super concerning that you had to have Joel Embiid turn into Wilt Chamberlain to beat the Utah Jazz by six points. Yeah, like it was like if Joel Embiid hadn't scored 59 points. Yeah. He, if he scores 50 or 40, the right. Jazz win by double digits. That's not great for them. No, no, no. But I mean, it, it it is what it is, and like what I am most concerned about now, or the biggest question I have is what we've talked about already, and what you brought up about. It does seem like the element of surprise is starting to fade with the Utah Jazz, and teams are getting some film on them and understanding their tendencies and what it is that they're doing. The thing that was a little bit alarming for me is Laurie Markinen who's had a kind of a stretch of just mediocre games and he's not Mm -hmm. being that 30 point guy. At least we haven't seen it in a little while. And what, uh, I think this is natural for anybody as they starting to become a star as they're starting to become the number one guy. And I am really interested to see how Laurie Markinen reacts now that he is going to be the top guy on people's scouting reports. And I, I think what we're seeing uh, right now a little bit is what was working very well for the Jazz early on in the season with Lowry is his inside-out game, establishing him you know, on drives, on pick-and-rolls early, expanding him out on pick-and-pops, having him shoot threes, and he was doing really well. And it seems like teams lately, A, have been super physical with him. We saw that against the Knicks, the, the Knicks and the Sixers, kind of beating him up a little bit. 
um, as well as taking away that inside game. And how do the Jazz react? How does Will Hardy adjust his game plan? And how does Lowry adjust to this physicality as, as well as teams trying to take away what makes him special? Yeah, I think I'm I'm of two minds of that because part of me is like, yeah, how does Lowry react? Like, it, he is kind of the number one guy. The he's, breakout. He's the star guy on, on this team, team as of right now. But like that is not who he was supposed to be, right? Like right. It, it's kind sure. of fallen into that, and that's one of the that's one of the things about this team is that they don't have a guy, right? Like they yeah, don't, they don't have, have the, the guy. guy. Sure, and and so like trying to get Lowry in in 16 games to completely change his approach to a game from being like a guy on a team to the guy on the team is such a tall ask. And so I'm, I don't know if I yeah. actually expect for him to do that uh, as a response to this losing streak. I kind of don't know if I expect for that to happen until probably pretty late in the season, if it even happens. Because I think if you're thinking about Lowry Markin and moving forward as the guy, I think that that's probably a problem. I think yeah. him him as a second or third option on a very good team is actually like what the Jazz envision. I And I totally agree. But and so it kind of reminds me a little bit of like the Rodney Hood move post Gordon Hayward. Right. You know, where like Gordon was very much the the guy. He was an all-star. And then when he left, the Jazz had to pivot and seemed like Rodney Hood was just next on the totem pole. Right. And like that's not who Rodney Hood was. He he never was that guy. Very good player. Very nice. Did some great things for the Jazz. I, I'm not I'm not besmirching the good name of one Rodney Hood, <laughs> but a number one guy. We can all agree he was not. Yeah, exactly. and I'm I, I'm just I'm I'm interested ultimately, you know, because there's a little bit of a chess game here. Yeah, and I I'm interested to see a how the game plan is adjusted and changed. Cause if Lowry's not that guy, well then you're going to need other guys to step up and you're going to have to run plays for other guys. And you're going to have to adjust how you're doing things. And then B, how does Lowry himself adjust? Well, and I think part of the problem is that the jazz got like so tired. I think that's a lot of it. The schedule was brutal, right? They got like kind of, away from what they won 10 games doing, you know, Mm -hmm. like the reason Lowry had so many good looks is because like he was moving really well off the ball and the jazz were moving the ball crazy and everyone was cutting and driving and kicking and everything. The last few games has just been like a step slow. There's not been as much movement. There's not been as much ball movement. And so I think that, you know, once the Jazz actually kind of like regroup and get back to what they were doing well, that that will open things up for Lowry and everyone else. And so it's a a little bit of both all of that. I think the the one thing that I'm most interested in seeing, and it might not happen right now, is that, you know, after a three-game losing streak, the Jazz were still, they're still like very good vibes, very good attitude and everything. And I wonder... You know, a three-game losing streak is probably not going to be the biggest one that the Jazz have this season. Probably not, no. The schedule's and, certainly not doing them any favors. They've still got, like, a absolutely brutal week ahead. Right. And whether or not they, like, you know, break the streak now and then have to deal with a couple losses, couple wins, and it kind of goes back and forth, whether that happens or at some point down the line, if they've got, like, a 10-game losing streak, like, 
that's the moment where I wonder, uh, is all the vibes based on the fact that you just started the season so well? Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, is yeah. is everybody pissed off and does everybody's attitude change once things aren't so like bright and shiny? Yeah, I think that the schedule is really going to test these guys' resiliency. And it's yet to be seen because yeah, you're right in that the 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 vibes were so high when they were 10 and 3. Yeah. Is, you know, and they've hit some uh they've hit some choppy waters and I, who knows if it's going to be smooth sailing from now on. I'm very intrigued to see uh, this team get their metal tested. Yeah. And uh, so something that's coming up, uh, we'll note now that, uh, we're going to be taking the upcoming week off. We'll mention it again at the end of the show, but it, with that in mind, something that we'll be watching over the next few games is that Rudy Gay is going to be out for a couple of weeks and that's going to leave the door open for, first of all, Simone Fontecchio. That looks great who looks great. And it could mean that we could get maybe some flashes of Ochai Abaji, even though I think that, you know, him being out of the rotation right now, that that's a clear indicator that the jazz coaching staff thinks that he's just like, not quite ready. And whether that doesn't mean that he's not like incredibly athletic, incredibly skilled. They just like want to see some development from him and that's fine. But yeah, you've got, rookies need to develop. That's that's not like a not surprising not at not all. a foreign concept. And not everyone's going to be Walker Kessler, right? Like Walker right. Kessler is incredibly unique. He's the in exception how, to the rule. Yes, he is. It's very and, rare that you can get a guy. You know, even like good lottery picks are are usually net negatives as rookies. Yeah, in the grand scheme of things, it's very rare that you get. Uh, a rookie who can come right in, you can plug and affects winning. Exactly. So that can't, I mean, ultimately what I'm saying is that can't be the standard. And, you know, Simone is interesting in that the guy's been playing like professional basketball since he was like 16 years old. So yeah. like literally for 10 years, but he still like says that he is learning things about the NBA. It's a totally different world when you've grown up. Completely different, like completely nuanced, completely different game than FIBA. Yeah, exactly. When you've grown up playing FIBA and when like that has been your world for so long and then to pivot to the NBA is totally different. But one of the things that he has that maybe like your traditional like um, American rookie wouldn't have is like that confidence when he checks into a game. Like uh-huh. he's not unsettled when he checks in and he is just firing. Like he does not need a minute to like check himself before he starts jacking up threes. And right. he's, and all of the team is completely confident in him because they know how good of a shooter he is. But what we've seen in the last couple of showings from Simone is that he's a, he's a, he's better defensively than I kind of expected him. That block he had on that rotation against Brunson. That's a first possession. The first possession yeah. in off the bench. Pretty so, impressive stuff. He's moves his more- feet better than I thought he would. Absolutely. He's I still, you know, he's not a super quick guy, but he seems to know angles pretty well and knows how to rotate and just knows how to be in the right place. And he's an effort guy. Like that's half the yeah, battle. Yeah, he definitely right? yeah. And like you don't have to worry about uh his hustle. Yeah. You know, um, I'm I'm ready to say it. You know, at least from what I what I've seen this season, maybe this is a hot take. I don't think that it is. I tweeted it out, but I'm ready to see Simone 
take Rudy Gay's minutes. I think he's the better player as of right now in November of 2022. All right. Here's the problem. I think that, you know, truth serum to everyone on the Jazz coaching staff that they would also all say that Simone is the better player. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's 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 not rocket science. No. I think that, you know, people forget that Will Hardy came up in San Antonio. Yeah. And he has a long-standing relationship with Rudy Gay. Uh-huh. He who that's the only player on the team that he had basically like a previous relationship with. And in addition to that, like Rudy Gay went into he came out of last season just bitter as fuck, right? Yeah. Like it was no he, secret that he and Quinn were not on no, and Quinn terms. and Quinn benched him and he benched him for good reason, right? Right. And Rudy did not like that at all. And coming into this season, Rudy knew that he was going to get playing time. And he has also not been bitter. And he has been helping all of the young players. And he has accepted the fact that he's going to play roughly 15 minutes a night and no more, sometimes less. Like he has accepted a a much smaller role and has not been a problem in the locker room. And if anything has been uh, a positive in the locker room. And so as the jazz, like don't have expectations and that it's not like anybody is asking them to win a title. Right. There, there's not a lot of incentive right now for Will Hardy to kind of make a wave there. Even, even in regards to developing someone like Simone, a younger guy who could be part of the core moving forward. Yeah, I think I'm there. It's probably so political, right? Because it's like yeah. if you if you do like if you're like, listen, the on court development and the game reps for Simone are more valuable. Then, like, you're basically telling Rudy Gay that his career is over. Rudy Gay is not going to be in the NBA this time next year. Right. But like, I mean, that's, that's what you are finalizing. If you make that roster decision and I'm okay with it. Right. Of course, all of us, I'm not, you know, I'm not part of the jazz front office and I understand that it is political. I, I, I'm just, just, not just from a front office perspective. I'm saying like, think about how bad the vibes with Rudy Gay were last season. Right. Like that caused problems. So was, is Rudy Gay holding this roster hostage? Well, I mean, that's kind of, I mean, I think that that's a bit of a stretch to think that like <laughs> a, a swap out for Simone Fontecchio is like going to unleash the roster. Right. Like, right, right, right. I don't think, I don't think that's the big move, but like, it's, it's not like Rudy Gay is not contributing like to the development, like all of the development that you want to have happen and kind of the culture. So is that she you playing want to like player coach kind of, kind of thing a little bit, I think. Okay. I'm not, a, so, I'm not opposed to that. And so I think that like, I don't think that we're robbing Simone Fontecchio of too much this season. And this is me like sort of advocating on the side of the jazz coaching staff. Right. If I looked at it from my personal perspective, my personal perspective is like, 
listen, Simone would be better. And if, if Rudy Gay wants to have a problem with that and then like go home. Yeah. I I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. Right. And so like that, that would be my personal take is like, listen, he's not great. Um, yeah, the team was winning with him playing and they, um, could probably win some games if he continued to play 15 minutes off the bench a night. But like, I would rather see Simone and Ochai develop on court, even if that's to the detriment of wins. Yep. And if Rudy Gay doesn't like it, then uh, he could take a vacation. Yep. I'm, I'm in the same boat. I will say it is nice though, just from a fan perspective to just be able to watch this team and not have to like, get upset because they are on a three game losing streak because there are no expectations with this team. Right. Like, See, I, Cause I'm still seeing like nice things and I'm still seeing development and, and you know, and it's always like, it's kind of that ace up the sleeve to be like, well, this is not the end product of what this team is going to look like even probably next year. So. Yeah. And a lot of people have been like asking, how do you, how do you cheer for this team? If you want high lottery picks, but you also like when they win, you just kind of go with it. And then when you, you get trust to these the process, moments, right. And then when you get to these moments where you are going through a losing streak, you recognize the fact that it doesn't feel as horrible as it did last season. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's strictly about vibes for me right now. And I'm still seeing nice things, you know, like Simone Fontecchio coming out and playing well during this three game winning streak. That's the W for me. That's enjoyable, right. you know? And like, Again, I'm I'm very intrigued by the storyline of like how do the Jazz adjust? You know, like this seems like the first time that Will Hardy's really being tested in his very young career. Right. And like how do cuz you know, like last episode we couldn't stop praising him and he was the early onset coach of the year and now you know, I still think he's a great coach and I'm not I'm not saying anything bad, but you know, there is a question mark of like how how does he tweak things to get the jazz back on the right track? Yeah, and I like I like last, stuff like that. I like the last couple of days of talking to Will and hearing him say things like like him not shying away from what the problems are because I think that it got to a point well and I think rightfully so also with the jazz. It's like the jazz knew how to play to get wins and sometimes they just wouldn't do it. Right. Like, yep. and that, that was the formula. The jazz already had the formula and they just wouldn't operate with the formula. Right. And so that was difficult. I think for Quinn Snyder when it was like, well, what are you going to do? And he was just like, we need to do the same things. <laughs> like, yeah, I think, I mean, I think like, Quinn talking, was so hamstrung with the roster that he had. Right. And so like talking to Will, when we talk about like, you know, what's been going wrong the last few games. And he's like, well, our transition defense is awful. So yep. number one, like we have to do better because we've just been playing awful. Right. And so he doesn't shy away or try to like make an excuse for anything. And I, and I like that. I like that. He just kind of calls out his guys. He's just like, I, that was, that was awful. I don't want to see that anymore. Um, I ask him about things like, well, you know, Jericho Sims comes off the bench and gets eight offensive rebounds. And then you can't defend that second action after the offensive rebound. Right. Like, what do you need to change there? And he's like, well, we can't allow those offensive boards. That's number <laughs> one. 
Yeah, so, I, I do love the directness of Will Hardy. Yeah, me too. I wonder. I want I just wonder. There's a lot there's a lot of me that wonders if they get to a point where, you know, they started 10 and 3, but what if they end up coming to a point where they're like 10 and 10? Yeah. You know, like what then what happens? Then what are we looking at? What are we talking about? What are we hoping? And on I mean, I still haven't changed what I said I think last episode or the one before where I think uh-huh. I think the Jazz are at a point right now, 10 wins this early in the season. I think you've already taken yourself out of the victor race. Right. Because looking at the numbers, like if you want to get one of the top three or the bottom three places in the Uh league for uh, that 14%, which is the best odds, the Jazz would have to win at most like 12 more games. And Lowry Markinen can accidentally win 12 games. Yeah. Again, so like, I, I'm sticking by what I said that this team's floor is the play in tournament. Yeah, I think so. And too. they're they're not they they are too good and too talented of a team to be in the bottom five of the Western Conference. Yeah. I completely agree. And I think, you know, there there are a lot of things that could change that. They they could do a lot of things to this roster to kind sure. of force them to torpedo. But which I I just want to say that I reserve the right to change my opinion based on new evidence and new facts and roster moves. Absolutely. We all do. We all okay. have veto, agreed, veto. Agreed there. We all have veto power <laughs> if they start making moves. Right. right? But as this constructed. This is all with the caveat of like as currently constructed, which has a huge asterisk attached to that sentence. Yeah. Uh, and so as constructed, it makes me makes me wonder like what what is going to happen when things get maybe a little bit better or maybe when things get a little bit worse like how are we going to feel about Will Hardy if they're 10 and 10 how are we going to feel about Larry Markinen if they're 10 and 10 um what if what if they come out and they beat the Suns the Blazers and the Clippers right uh <laughs> like i mean cuz I'm smoke I'm smoking that Clippers pack all next week if that happens and it's, I mean, like we they we can't forget that like they they beat like the Nuggets and the Timberwolves and the Pelicans like when we all thought like there was no chance like we we did not think they were gonna do that, and so I I think I can be surprised by this team in both ways, right? Sure. Yeah, I think it's just I'm taking a very wait and see approach right now. Yeah, I think that which the, is. That- which again is cool and what we've talked about the whole time with this with this team this season is that's kind of been my philosophy all along. I'm waiting and seeing, I'm vibing, I'm enjoying it. Give me all the Malik Beasley shimmies. I'm here for it all. Win, lose, or draw. Yeah, and I think that's more than anything, I think that the three game losing streak has like kind of brought all of us back down to earth a little bit. Sure. And it's a nice place to be two feet on the ground at the same time though, like 10 and three was not sustainable for an entire season. No. And you know what? Like good teams go on three game losing streaks. It's not all that uncommon. No. And I'm not, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm not worried. Yeah. Not yet. It's fine. That's the thing is like, if they, if they were on a 10 game losing streak, I wouldn't be worried because again, like, no matter how good this team has was to start the season, no matter how good they could be, this team was not built to win. Uh-huh. 
Like I, I don't right. care what any I don't care what anyone says. Listen, the Cavs came to the Jazz early in the offseason and were like, hey, we heard there might be a Donovan thing. We've got <laughs> we've got this package. What do you think about it? And the Jazz were basically like, no, we're we're after something else. And and so talks with the Cavs ended. And then the only reason that the Cavs came back is because the Knicks f***ed everything up and shot themselves in the foot. And so then the Cavs were like, hey, remember us? Yeah, we came they, to you guys they, a couple they months that ago. They you up text? Yeah, they're like, hey, you up? <laughs> hey. <laughs> we got Lowry. We got Colin. We got, like, we also have picks. And so... It's not like the Jazz went into this offseason and were like, Lowry Markkinen, that's going to be our guy. They did yeah. not. That is not what they thought. They were going for someone else. They were absolutely trying to get something else. And they were also more than anything else after the picks. Lowry Markkinen was just a nice piece that got thrown into it. Yeah. I and love so, happy ac- accidents. It's worked out great for both sides. Right. And the, the whole point is like, they did not construct this roster thinking, oh, Lowry Markinen, he's the perfect piece to pair with Jared Vanderbilt and <laughs> right. Malik Beasley. That, they did not produce this roster there, thinking that it was going to be 10 and three. That is not what not, happened. There is not an algorithm out there strong enough to configure that chemistry. <laughs> no. You can moneyball the shit out of this roster and still never come up with that. And so I that that's why it's like, you know, three game losing streak, I'm not worried. They could lose 15 in a row and I'd be like, yeah, it doesn't matter. They weren't they weren't built to win. No. Yeah, I just again, I I am sitting back, you know, I'm going to watch the game tonight. I'm going to vibe and that's how I am all season. Yeah. I'm you know, you, everyone knows my policy. I'm here, here for the for jokes. The I'm here for the I'm here for the vibes. And you know what? I'm having a good time right now. And that's all that matters. And we if they, you know, if they do come out and they win a couple of these games in the next week, I'm stoked. If they don't, fine. I'm still gonna see Simone Fontecchio minutes. We've got Suns Friday. We've got I was wait. so wrong about them. My goodness. Today's Friday. Yeah, uh, we've got Suns, then we've got Blazers on a back-to-back in Portland. Are they wearing, and, I hope they wear those those PDX carpet uniforms. Those are currently my favorite in the league. They're so, they're, they're beautiful. Yeah, those are very good. I love and, that. First of all, black and teal, favorite color combination out there. Excellent combo. Yeah, looks great. Love it. Suns, Blazers, and then Clippers on Monday. And then... Pistons at home before another back-to-back on the road, which is Jazz Warriors Friday, Saturday, or Warriors Suns Friday, Saturday. Man, they could really go end up going like one and five, and that I think could be very realistic. Now, we're going to be taking the next week off. Yeah. And Should so- we just go through the schedule and, and pick them right now? Yeah, so I think that we need to pick at least through Clippers at Jazz on the thirtieth. Yeah, that gives us eight games. Okay, let's just let's just go through this. All right, Suns at Jazz. I say Jazz win. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about the game tonight. Yeah. I'm not there. I think yeah. that I think that 
the Suns are playing too well, and they look uh, to be very similar to the juggernaut they were last year in the in the regular season. I don't see them beating this team. Uh, I think that the Jazz lose in Portland to the Trailblazers. I think we're 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 looking at a, at least a five game losing streak. Jazz at Clippers, a six game losing streak. Uh, Jazz at Clippers. We is. Kawhi going to be back basically is the question because Kawhi could be returning on Sunday, but I think they the Clippers have a back to back. And wait, so, didn't didn't Kawhi play last night? Oh, did he? I'm pretty sure Kawhi played last night. Yeah, I think Kawhi's back. Never mind, Kawhi's back. Hold on, let me let me look at the Clippers schedule really quick and see what they have. Yeah, I'm pulling up the games from last night. Yeah, first headline on NBA.com, Kawhi returns, expects, quote, long journey, unquote, to full health. Okay, they don't have a back-to-back. They play tomorrow against the Spurs and then have the Jazz on Monday at home. So Kawhi Uh will probably play that game. Yeah, they're not not winning that game. Yeah, that's actually a good point. That's a, that we're looking at a six, six game losing streak. Then they come home and they play Indiana. No, they come home, they play the Pistons. Oh, that's right. Okay. They they beat the Pistons. They beat the Pistons. As much as it hurts me to say that Bogey has to take an L, he's going to take an L. Yeah. 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 I'm I'm waffling a little bit on the Clipper. I'm okay, I'm still going to say the Jazz the the Jazz lose that one. Okay. Jazz beat the Pistons. And then day after Thanksgiving, they're on the road for Warriors. Now they the Warriors have been the Warriors have been playing like absolute trash. Yeah. So and I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. You know, Thanksgiving is like you know families. Everyone's you know very busy, but Jazz have quite a few young players and guys that are new to the area and don't have their families here necessarily. Yeah. I'm uh, gonna go, I'm gonna go out and say it. they're gonna win that game against Golden State. They're gonna sh- they're gonna shock some people. They're gonna go and they're gonna be on a two game win streak. Yeah, I think the so Jazz two, win two and three right now for me. So I'm three and two because I got okay. the Jazz winning against the Suns and then Jazz at Suns on a back to back. Jazz lose that one. Oh, they get the absolute. Yeah, they get the (laughs) doors blown off. And then Jazz at home uh, against the Bulls and the Clippers. They split those. They beat the Bulls. They lose to the Clippers. Okay, again, I'm going to look at the Clippers schedule. Now, the Clippers are on a back-to-back, though, on the road for that game. And so I think Kawhi probably doesn't play that one. They're on the back-to-back on the road. I still think think the Clippers are a little salty about taking that L against the jazz earlier in the year. I think the jazz might split that one lose against the bulls, but beat the Clippers. Okay. So I'm, I'm at three and five for the next eight games. Yeah. I'm at four and five, four and four and four, four and four. We're, yeah. We can we're writers, math. not mathematicians, folks. <laughs> so I'm going to write that down. I'm putting that in the outline right now. Greg predicts three and five, Sarah, Four and four predicts four and four. And for the record right now, I, for the season am three and six, Sarah is four and five. She's got the lunch lead right now, folks. For right now, for right now, things can change. 
and we we're doing great. <laughs> we we didn't we didn't do the first few games, and so our record is is half of what their record is right now. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't matter. Doesn't Don't matter care. what's happening. Nope. We're um, adjusting just like Will Hardy is. Like I said, we are we're taking the Thanksgiving week off, so there will not be a new episode coming out next week. But uh, big watch this space energy because we'll be back. <laughs> Enjoy your family. Enjoy some good food. Watch some jazz basketball. I'm going out games. of town. I'm going to go somewhere sunnier and warmer. I'm, I'm also going not going to crash on my bike again. Dude, that bruise is so crazy. It's nasty. That's a good bruise. It's it's a t- I've had some great bruises in my life, especially from mountain biking. That one's top tier. It's not quite the best, but it's it's in the top 5. You're going to need to take like a a mirror selfie of the bruise so when people listen to this episode you'll be able to you know give the evidence yes i i have pictures inside All right. of my only fans you guys know what to do <laughs> Rate, review, subscribe, download, do all of the things, get in contact with us. If you had advertising needs, you can follow me at NBA Sarah. You can follow Greg at Dad Sham Dad. You can follow the show at Unsalvageables. You can follow our producer, Matt, I guess, if you want. If you want. (laughs) And we will talk to you next time. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. You can also follow me at OnlyDads. Oh, boy. (laughs) 